Welcome everyone, I'm Alex. And I'm Rob, we're students at Clarkson University. You are listening to the Clarkson Ignite podcast coming to you from Zoom. Our mission is to shape this podcast to the Ignite slogan, which is Think, Make, Ignite. We hope to connect you to individuals across Clarkson's diverse community and give you interesting, unique content. We hope you can walk away from our podcast learning something new and valuable. For this week's episode, we spoke to John Megan. He is the president and CEO of Lake Erie Rubber. After graduating from Clarkson in 1995, he went through advanced leadership roles at General Electric and went on to pursue the ultimate goal of managing a successful company. It was great to host John on our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. So uh, we're here today with John Megan, and uh, thank you again for coming on to the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, do you want to start by kind of introducing yourself and talking about a little bit about what you do? Sure, sure. So I'm John Meehan. I graduated from Clarkson in 2007 with a mechanical engineering degree. And, you know, luckily, having graduated from Clarkson, I had co-op experience and internship experience and a pretty good resume because they forced us to, to be prepared, which is great. And so after I left Clarkson, I, I went immediately to work at GE Transportation in their operations management leadership program. I spent 10 years working at GE and then ultimately decided to leave um, my position there after 10 years to purchase a small company that manufactures custom rubber components. And I took that over in 2017 and have been doing that for the past three years. Yeah, I was I was looking, uh, doing a little bit of research on you, and you were an operations management leader, the purchasing agent, lean flow leader, volume stream manager, materials manager, plant manager, and I was like, whoa, like this is um, like he's really moving. Like your progression through GE uh, was was really impressive to see. Um, it seems like you you almost get bored at one position, so you kept kept like moving up, like to take on uh, more and more. Um, uh, what what went on there? Well, you know, the, the I was very motivated to try to you know be able to accomplish a lot in my career, and actually, you know, initially I had planned on only working at GE for maybe four to six years. I thought, I, I knew I always wanted to own my own business. And I thought working there would give me a lot of experience and training uh, to be able to do that. But then, you know, my career progressed pretty fast. So before I knew it, I was 10 years in and I had done a lot of different things. And, I, you know, I enjoyed uh, the progression and the experience and, and the incredible trainings that were offered to us. And so I was just you know, the whole time I was there, I was hungry for the next opportunity. And luckily I had some good mentors early on in my career that, that basically told me, you know, just work your ass off to the point that the, the next job opening, they're asking you to take it. You're not, you're not really looking for it, but you're, you're doing such good work that they want to give you more responsibility. And when I learned that early in my career, that was kind of the, the strategy that I took was just that, 
every job I do, I'm going to knock it out of the park. And some of them were not that glamorous. You know, I was off shift supervisor. Um, I worked swing shift in Cumberland, Maryland, uh, for a while, which, you know, was, was a challenging environment, but I just tried to do the best I could in every job so that when the opportunities came, my name would get mentioned as a possible candidate. Right. You have any you have any um, tips for any students looking to get into the like kind of the larger company realm? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's that simple advice of at times you may get put into a position that you think is beneath you, right? I came out of school with a mechanical engineering degree, and I, right. I went through this program that's supposed to be a, a pretty elite training program for supply chain. And then, you know, I had multiple entry-level jobs after that. I, I went into just, you know, basic purchasing agent, which a lot of my uh, colleagues in that job, some of them, you know, a lot of them didn't even have a college degree. Um, not that it mattered to me, but, you know, some people would say that's not a very challenging position. But, you know, if you're really trying to progress the job and do the best you can, you can always find ways to challenge yourself. Definitely. Uh, and then, you know, after that, I went into a supervising position, just supervising hourly employees. And again, I just, I tried to be the best that I could in that job. And I think if you're humble, and uh, one thing that I think is important that I should note is I always told my managers what my aspirations were. So they, they knew that I wanted to be the plant manager. And they knew that eventually I if I had stayed, I wanted to be the site leader for the entire site. And so I made that clear, but I also, instead of, you know, just saying that I wanted to do that, I would ask them what they thought I should do to be prepared, to be good, a good fit for that job. And so a lot of the advice was go do the jobs that you're told to do and do the best you can and learn everything you can. That's, that's a huge energy to have. (laughs) <laughs> just to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to be this right now. So that's. Yeah. So, you know, I was, when I was supervising uh, in that second roll off program, I took on huge projects. I continued to ask for bigger projects. And I said, you know, I, I can do more. I can do my job really well. And I want to, to make strides in the area that I'm managing that haven't been made before. So, you know, I, I asked for, for projects to do and I look for things to make improvements. Right. You just mentioned that you were sharing your career aspirations with your bosses. Mm-hmm. Did you mention that you wanted to run your own company? No. No. <laughs> no. I I didn't really I didn't bring that up a lot because I didn't think that that would necessarily be great for my career, although you know, there were some people that knew at the company that I had aspirations to do that, although you know, I continued to focus on the job I was in, which is probably why I ended up staying at GE a lot longer uh, than I had planned. I I probably would still be there actually, except one of my friends called me out one day. He said, you know, you're always talking about how you're going to run a business or do something like that. He's like, you know, either do it or don't. He's like, I'm I'm tired of hearing you talk about it. Right. (laughs) Is your friend the one who sparked your entrepreneurial interest or is, is he the one who motivated you to go out and buy your company? He challenged me and in that, you know, I I continued to talk about that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but he said, you know, you're not an entrepreneur. You work at GE. (laughs) Um, 
And so it kind of, a, a lot of my career, I focused on the next actionable step, which is a good way to, to do well in your job. You should always know what your, your main goal is, something that's manageable to be done in the next two weeks. And so I thought, okay, I have this big dream of being an entrepreneur, but there's a lot of little steps to take. So uh, right after he said that to me, I started writing down the next actionable step towards owning a business and becoming an entrepreneur. And so I started just continually writing down, what's that next thing I can accomplish in the next two weeks to get me one step closer than I am today? So are your short-term goal, are, are your short-term goals what led you to gain the confidence to go out and start a company? Were they like the building blocks of your experience? To some degree, I think the short-term goals are what got me from being an employee to owning a company. Um, I think the reason I thought I could do it is I had done so many different jobs at GE and every time I was thrown into a position, I knew nothing about it. Generally, I got little or no training and it was just always sink or swim. So I had, I had built this confidence over time that you know, if I just throw myself into something, I will figure it out. I mean, you kind of, you kind of know, sorry about that. Uh, You kind of know um, all those positions because like you went through everything. So I feel like you definitely had that understanding of like um, how everything runs and how to like, I guess, include everybody in that process. Yeah. And, and I will say it was a little bit of a false sense of confidence and I probably, I don't know that I would have done it had I known how challenging it would would be uh, in the beginning. But, you know, I had a lot of experience in a lot of positions, but there were some things that, that I certainly didn't realize. And I need more help in running this company than I thought that I would. But that's OK, because I, I'm, you know, I always try to maintain that humble mentality of I understand the things that I'm not good at and what I don't know how to do. And so I'm finding help from other people on those things that I'm not an expert at. Yeah. So uh, talking about the stresses um, of like a company or, or like starting a company and managing it, um, what are what are some unexpected things that you ran into or some um, like when you first purchased the company and like how you dealt with it? Yeah. The I mean, the, the biggest surprise or unexpected thing that happened was the process of purchasing the company was drawn out for a very long time to to get all the details finalized. It's like buying a house times a hundred, you know, so there's a lot of paperwork when you buy a house, this is a whole lot more and there's a lot more legal ramifications to acquiring a company that's been manufacturing products for, you know, almost 60 years when I bought it. So the biggest surprise was that took a very long time. And uh, my daughter ended up being born four days before I finally closed on the business and took ownership. So uh, my wife was home with a one-year-old and a newborn. And I had to go immediately back to work at GE so that I could resign and properly transition my position out because, you know, one of my major customers is my old company at my new company. So, and no matter what, right, I've been working with that team. 
I didn't want to leave my team high and dry. So, you know, it was a, it was a very challenging time personally, which I didn't anticipate because of just the way the timing worked out to work at GE, work at the new business and have, you know, my wife at home with a one-year-old and, and a newborn. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, did, did GE know that you were, um, resigning during, while no. you were acquiring the company? Mm. No. And, and, you know, when, when you're acquiring a company, especially a family owned company, really any company until you sign the paperwork, I would recommend being very cautious, uh, about what you say about it. Because let's say someone in the family had decided to back out the day of the, the closing Right. Then if I had told GE I was resigning, then you know, I'd be without a company and without a job. And yeah. so it, you know, the, the timing was important to make sure that I had everything figured out before I put my resignation in. Right. Um, so what was, um, what do you feel the need on your team um, when evaluating a company? Like, so what are you looking for exactly? Cause I, I assume you weren't just looking at one company at the time you were looking at maybe, maybe more than that. Yeah. I, I looked at quite a few companies of all different types. Um, I even considered starting my own company from the ground up, but I, I had, you know, obviously my wife was stay at home mom and you know, we, it would be difficult to start something from the ground up with no salary for a period of time. So when I was looking for the company, I was looking for something large enough that I could immediately have some amount of a salary coming in. And then manufacturing was preferable to me just because that's what I spent my whole career doing. So I thought, well, geez, I've never been in a small business. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be an owner. So I should probably at least stick with manufacturing so that I, I have a skill set that I've already learned through my career. And then it really came down to, I was looking for a company that with the funding that would be necessary, because I, I'm not an independently wealthy person, so I wasn't going to just go out and, and put millions of dollars up to buy a company. I knew that I needed loans from the bank, loans from private investment, and then you know my own personal investment to be able to purchase the company. So I did a lot of calculations to make sure that I thought the company would be able to pay for those loans and have enough cash flow left over to continue to run the operation while we tried to improve and grow it. Aside from funding, when you were looking over the multiple different companies, what mm -hmm. were the key factors that led you to purchase? One, one thing that was really important is a lot of companies that, that you look at purchasing, the owner may be an expert in the field and they may be the reason that the company is able to stay running. And so I didn't want to go into a company, for example, that was, um, let's say it's a fabrication company and the owner was the only expert at the company who knows everything about their equipment and how it works. That would be a would have been a big mistake for me to buy a company like that because I don't have that expertise. So this company had an owner who actually had not been participating in the business very much over the last few years because he was very sick. And so the employees that were staying on had the expertise in 
rubber manufacturing and, and running the company. So that, that was a critical piece for me in, in determining what to buy. The other thing was I was looking for a company that was at least organized in their finances and understood their costs because you'll find with some small businesses, they, they don't really know that well if they're making money or they're not. But this, this company that I purchased was doing a good job with their bookkeeping. Uh, they could explain the cost of their jobs. And, you know, the, the struggle was is their revenue had been declining substantially for quite a few years in a row. And so, you know, I was trying to find a company that had maybe one or two problems that I, could, that I thought I could focus on instead of a company where it has 500 problems. And I, I just think there's, you know, in some cases, there was too much to try to solve. In my small business class, we often look over companies that are independently owned and they mm -hmm. do, their books are not clear and they are misleading revenues. So it, sure. it, it's good that you went over and looked over that. Um, when you were, you were talking about, you were looking for experienced employees. Did you interact with them before purchasing the company or only after taking the leadership role? Now, in, in my case, the employees knew the company was for sale. The, the owner, unfortunately, had passed away very young, and there was no one in the family set up to take over the company. So they knew. In some cases, there are companies that the employees don't know it's for sale, and that can make it more challenging. But I, I would say I would always recommend, before you purchase a company, if you're going to be depending on key employees, which you probably are, you need to meet with those people and, and they need to know what's going on before you finalize the deal. Because knowing that you can trust those people and knowing that those people really have the experience to, to support you when you come in and take over the business, to me is very important and, and critical for success. Because a lot of times when you come into a new company, especially if they're struggling, you know, if, if things are disorganized and you can't get started quickly, you may go out of business before you even get started. Yeah. What? So what other important information do you think that if you went back in time to ask yourself or to tell yourself, what do you think mm -hmm. you would, what advice would you give to yourself or an, a student that's looking to uh, acquire a company or business? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that I just told you that I did, I'm happy I did because I think that's why I'm sitting here right now. And, and not on the street somewhere. Uh, but, you know, one thing that I, I probably would have told myself is I probably would have investigated the product lines a little bit deeper than I did. Um, and I probably, now knowing some of the challenges that I, I'm working on, I probably would have structured things a little differently in the beginning because. I thought that I was going to be better at sales and acquiring new customers. And it's turned out to not be my uh, best quality. And so, you know, I, I now that I, I understand how critical acquiring new customers is and how, how important that is, even though I knew it was important, it's, it's more important than I even thought. So I would have allocated probably more of my budget to that more quickly if I could do it again. <laughs> right. What were some growth strategies you used with this business? Were they different from ones you were using in the past at GE? Yeah. So, I mean, when you come into a small company, you just, you don't have the resources 
that, that a big company has, right? So when I left my plant manager job, I had an HR manager, I had a finance manager, a quality manager, an inventory manager, a production manager. I had a legal team that supported us. And so it was just very, very different, right? The resources were, were incredible. And we, we obviously had a commercial team and a sales team. And I came into this company and they had really not been doing much for advertising or sales in quite some time. They've been working on, you know, word of mouth and, and the customers that they had established. And so that was part of the reason they were declining is because they were just really filling orders for the customers that they had already established years ago. And so when I came in, I knew growing the company was going to be really important. And so I tried a number of things, right? I, I updated the website. I tried to improve our online performance and that helped a little bit. And then I tried to add these, I worked with a couple of third party sales rep groups and I wasted a lot of time on that and they did not deliver results and that really didn't do anything. Um, so then, you know, the next thing we really worked on was getting to know our customers better and reaching out to them and asking them how we can help them and what projects we could work on to solve problems for them and really following up with them regularly, just trying to add any sort of value that we can for them. And, and that helped uh, more than the first two things I tried. So that was good. That, that helped us add business with our current customer base, but it's still not enough. And so next week I have a business development manager starting that we're hiring away from another company. Um, and I think that's going to be the key piece that will drive us from where we are now, where we have most of the same customers we've had, we have increased business, but not to the level that we'd like. Um, and, and our goal is to double the size of our company now in less than two years, because that clock started a couple months ago. So I, I have a goal for two years, doubling the size of the company. And, so this one is obviously by far the biggest risk that we're going to take. We're taking on a very high salary that is challenging for us to afford. But I think that, you know, at, at times, those are the types of risks that you have to take if you want significant growth. Right. I mean, you're a man who's achieved every goal he's pretty much said he's, uh, he's said he's going after. So I have no doubt that it'll work. Sort of. I mean, I... You know, I, I thought I was going to, I, when I bought the company, my goal was to double the size in five years. And I thought that I'd be able to do it. I, I read the sales books, right? I tried the strategies. I did, I did all these things and, and I wasn't succeeding at growing the business the way I wanted to. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time to hit that goal. And, but I, I, I'm not going to just let it go. So I'm going to try something different. It's a very big risk for our company to do that. Uh, but, you know, obviously you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and expect to get exactly. there. So, so we're going to try something radically different and bringing in a brand new employee who his expertise is sales. It's, what, it's all he's done in his career. So hopefully the combination of our ability to manufacture and execute and solve problems combined with his ability to sell Will will get us to that goal. I'd love to risk, see that. Without risk, there's no reward. 
Would you say a growth strategy was your ability to wear different hats while running your company? Yes. I mean, that that's critical in a small company, right? Because I have to do a little bit of everything. I'm doing more engineering now than I, I did in my whole career at GE because I was really just an operations person. Uh, but now when we're asking to solve problems for our customers, that is part of our growth strategy and we have to do engineering work for them. Uh, but that, that was also something that, that really hindered our growth strategy was I didn't realize how much additional work I would have to take on and how many hats I would really have to wear being here. And, you know, if you don't have someone in your company spending 95% of their time on sales and growth, you're probably not going to grow. And I was only able to spend maybe 15% of my time on sales and growth. And, and I'm not that great at it. So when you take someone who's not the best at doing that and they only spend a little bit of time working on it, you just don't grow as fast as you need to. Right. There is one final thing before we uh, wrap up that I wanted to ask um, is <laughs> your time with uh, Glenn Stern or Glenn Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was reading about that and it was really, really funny. Uh, can you explain like uh, what happened there? Yeah. So I, I was approached by these Hollywood producers randomly uh, and they asked me if if I would be a part of a documentary about a regular guy, regular guy <laughs> who's trying to start a business. And, you know, they got my contact information because I had worked with our SBA and, and also our university group here in Erie. And I was recommended as a, an entrepreneur who would be helpful to someone else trying to start out. And so, you know, here this guy comes from Los Angeles to Erie to try to start a business. And I'm thinking it's a documentary, but it was kind of weird because when they showed up, there was a whole lot of crew and a lot of cameras. And it was, it was crazy. It was just, I'm like, wow, this is a very well-funded documentary. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I try to mentor this guy and get him connected to some people. I got him in with the SBA. I introduced him to a number of people in Erie to, to help him get off the ground. And then you know, I didn't hear much from him for a while. And then months later, I saw an advertisement for this show called Undercover Billionaire on Discovery. And I only noticed it because I saw the picture and I'm like, son of a bitch, that's Glenn. I'm like, <laughs> guy, the guy was a billionaire and I didn't even know that he was, you know, I, I had no idea. And so I'm like, wow, that's, boy, that's weird. Uh, really never expected to hear from him again. But then Hollywood producers reached back out to me um, last year and said, hey, we're filming a follow-up show and Glenn's going to be helping other entrepreneurs in Erie now. Would you like to be a part of it? And so, you know, we, we, we agreed to do it. And uh, it was a really, it was a good experience. I mean, it's probably, it's, it's definitely, it's part of the reason why we're taking some of the bigger risks that we're taking because, Glenn challenged me and said, you know, you have these big goals. He said, you've got to take some risks that, that are big enough to align you to those goals. And it, it's hard when, you, when you're running a company and, and you have so many families that depend on your company to make sure that their, their families are supported. 
it, it gets tougher to take that big risk. When it's just for yourself, it's a little bit easier. But when you know you're, you're risking everyone at the company, it gets, it's harder to pull the trigger. Yeah, that's tough. I would have trouble with those moral dilemmas as well. It's hard, but, but also there, there's things that we want to achieve for our employees. And we know that growing the company is going to make it possible. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's balanced, right? We, we're trying to be smart about it. We, um, we hired a headhunter to help us find our new business development manager, even though the cost of that is very high, but it's just, it's a critical thing for us to hit the growth milestones that, that we're looking for. It will let us pay our employees better. We'll be able to offer better benefits. It'll create jobs in Erie. Oh, yeah. So that's why ultimately we decided to, to go for it. Definitely. Did you share any of these growth strategies with your employees before you took them on? Did they know you wanted to expand the company and how did they feel about that? Yes. I, I talk to every employee every morning. Uh, so, you know, I, I come in probably an extra hour before I would need to, except I like to go through my entire shop and say good morning to everyone. Um, and I, I keep them up to date on, the things that we're working on and, and what, what I'm trying to do to help better their jobs and better the company. And, you know, they're, they've, they've got a ton of buy-in. They, they believe in the strategies that we're employing. They know that it's risky. Um, I believe in incredible transparency. We, we share financial results with all of our employees, whether they like it or not. Sometimes they tell me it's too boring and they don't want to look at it. Um, but I, I think that having that transparency helps us get the buy-in for, for the employees to be on board for the things that we're trying to do because it's not always easy, right? Sometimes we bring in new jobs that are uh, difficult, challenging, or we ask them to support us in overtime when we need it or doing certain things. And you know, they're a lot more supportive because I think they understand you know, the ultimate goal is the same for all of us to grow and improve the company. Yeah, good chemistry has to be important. It Definitely. is. It isn't. And, you know, part of that, too, is you, you have to have the right people in your company. And it can be challenging because sometimes you bring in the wrong person and you have to make sure you fix that. Because, you know, one, one bad person in, in your facility can really drag down the whole place. So that that's something that's really, really important is, you know, you almost, you kind of have to be slow to hire, but quick to fire so that, yeah. you know, you're trying to bring in the right person, but also you're not keeping people around that are, that are dragging you down. Right. Well, I think that is almost about all the time we have. Uh, we appreciate you so much for coming onto the show. Um, huge insight uh, for every, all of our listeners. Thank you. I, I, you know, anything to be involved with Clarkson, I'm happy to do it. So and I appreciate you guys having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was nice to talk to you and your insight was great. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob. And I'm Alex. See you next time.